Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Friday, October 6th. This has been Nobel Prize Week, as many of you know, and this morning they awarded this year's Peace Prize. Here's the start of that announcement. Sun, Sendegi, Azadi. Women, life, freedom. The Norwegian Nobel Committee has decided to award the Nobel Peace Prize for 2023 to Nargis Mohammadi for her fight against the oppression of women in Iran and her fight to promote human rights and freedom for all. Woman, life, freedom, the slogan adopted by the protesters in Iran following the death of Masa Amini over a year ago. Nargis Mohammadi has championed that cause from behind bars as part of her fight for women's rights and human rights generally in Iran. To talk about this year's selection by the Nobel Committee, we're joined now by Azar Nafisi, the author of Reading Lolita in Tehran, and her most recent book, Read Dangerously, The Subversive Power of Literature in Troubled Times, and by Summer Lopez, who heads the Free Expression Program at PEN America. Nargis Mohammadi was also the recipient of PEN America's Freedom to Write Award this year. And listeners, if you're familiar with the work of today's Nobel Peace Prize winner and want to share your joy about the award, call us at 212 433 WNYC 212-433-9692. Or if you want to share your ideas on the poll on the Nobel Prize webpage, it's a poll that asks, do you agree that equal rights for all is a prerequisite for peace? Or maybe do you agree that women's equal rights are a prerequisite for freedom? Tweet at Brian Lehrer or call or text us at 212 433 WNYC 212-433-9692. Summer Lopez, can you tell us about the work of Nargis Mohammadi that led to her as a Nobel Committee cited being arrested 13 times, convicted five times, and sentenced to a total of 31 years in prison and 154 lashes? Brian, thank you so much for having me. And it's really such a pleasure to be able to speak about this. We're so delighted at PEN America to hear this news this morning and to see Nargis recognized uh, for her courage and her work. Um, And her work has been to stand up relentlessly and to speak out and to write and to be an active uh, advocate for women's rights and human rights and freedom in Iran, despite tremendous Uh, repression. And as you said, years of sentences to be in prison. Um, She's been in and out of prison for decades. She's been deprived of her relationships, uh, her her connection with her family, her husband and her two children, um, and just faced tremendous repercussions for her work. But she has never stopped 
organizing and speaking out, even from within uh, Evan Prison. She is organizing, she is writing, she's documenting uh, the torture and mistreatment of women in that prison. Um, and she has just been relentless. And it's no surprise that the Iranian government sees her as a threat because she is. She exposes their brutality, she exposes their hypocrisy, um, and she's not afraid of them. And I think they they know that that is, that is a danger. Um, and so it's really gratifying to see this recognition of her and and the power that she holds as a, as a writer, as an activist, and as a voice for for human rights and for women's rights in particular. From what I've read, the 154 lashes part of her sentence has not been carried out. I hope that's true. <clears throat> and her imprisonment, we should say, preceded the protests over the death of Masa Amini, uh, but she's continued her activism in that cause. She even wrote an op-ed in the New York Times just last month on the anniversary of the protests in which she talked about the way she and protesters with her in prison continue to agitate through sit-ins and statements and the violence the protesters are experiencing while in prison. Uh, Azar Nafisi, I read that you lost your job at the University of Tehran over your refusal to wear a headscarf. So I, I, I want to ask you, first of all, just to comment in general about this selection for the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, um, we are um, celebrating the fact that uh, Iranian people have once more been able to break the silence that the Islamic Republic has imposed upon the society. Um, the Islamic Republic has been trying to give this impression that all the oppression, including uh, the mandatory veil, uh, uh, is because of Iranian people, especially Iranian women's culture. This is what the, um, the culture is, uh, to have marriage for females at the age of nine, that they call their culture. And uh, this prize has broken that silence and has given, uh, created a space uh, for people like Nargis Mohammadi uh, to feel not alone. Uh, one of the things that I experienced when I was in Iran is that um, the regime tried to tell the people that you're isolated. The world doesn't care about you. The world doesn't want you uh, to be a part of it. And um, uh, the fact that the world responds sometimes, as in the case of the Nobel Prize, uh, is uh, not only uh, great for Nargis, but it is also uh, great for um, all Iranians, especially Iranian women, who today feel less uh, who today feel less lonely. Claudia in Riverdale is calling in. You're on WNYC. Claudia, hi. Good morning. Um, I was so deeply moved by this award this morning, and I don't usually react as strongly to the Nobel Peace Prize. The first thing I did was I contacted my two adult daughters, and I said, you have to read this you have to learn about this, and you have to tell your friends about this. And I'm just encouraging all your listeners with children to please do the same, because this is so incredibly moving and important and enlightening for the world. Claudia, thank you very much. Um, I mentioned in the intro, um, Summer, I'll go to you first on this, that the Nobel 
Prize Committee posted a poll on their site. I saw it this morning, along with the announcement of the prize. Uh, and, and the question that they posed was, do you agree that equal rights for all is a prerequisite for peace? I wonder if you have any reflections on that. I mean, it seems absurd on one level to poll the global public on whether they're for or against equal rights for all, uh, but then they put it in this very particular way. Do you agree that human rights for all is a prerequisite for peace? I, I wonder if you saw that and if you have an understanding of what they're getting at. I think it's a really interesting and important question. I think that sometimes there is a sense that human rights and, and democracy and freedoms can be sacrificed in the name of achieving peace and you know, that somehow um, you can achieve stability without those things. And I, I think that's an utter falsehood. I think that these things are absolutely essential to ensuring the stability of, of countries, of societies, and, and of our world. And so I, I fundamentally believe that these things are essential to, to achieving peace, but I think it is a way in which sometimes people don't think about that connection or they or they might think about it in in the opposite way and i think at a moment when we are facing you know a global uh resurgence of authoritarianism um you know uncertainty about democracy and what it means for people and and in this country as well fights over freedom of expression threats to writers we are also working heavily on the book bans we're seeing across this country right now um, and so, you know, I think it's essential that we think about these things, not only in terms of what they mean for women fighting for their rights in Iran, but in terms of what they mean for us fighting for our own democracy here. Azar, were you aware of that question on the Nobel side or have any reflections on it or how it's worded? Do you agree that equal rights for all is a prerequisite for peace? That's a kind of poll that they put on their website today. Uh, yes, uh, I, I agree with Summer. You know, um, when I first came back to U.S., one of the things that uh, um, surprised me was the way uh, in um, <clears throat> foreign policy um, they, first of all, uh, limited themselves only to politics. And as the Iran uh, and Afghanistan have shown, it is not just about politics. It's about a whole culture. It's a whole, about a whole way of looking at life and uh, um, changing uh, the kind of life that uh, uh, brings about oppression. And uh, freedom uh, in Ukraine, freedom in Iran, freedom in Afghanistan, um, it uh, guarantees freedom in the United States. Uh, you know, coming from a place like Iran, where it has killed its poets and writers, where it has uh, given the fatwa against uh, uh, Salman Rushdie, uh, which, uh, uh, and uh, uh, coming from there, uh, I see how pragmatic it is to be fighting for your own specific freedom, but link it to freedom for all. Um, it is pragmatic because it, a democratic Iran, for example, uh, in the region uh, would be to the advantage of a democratic America. And, uh, I, and we see today in America how easy it is 
uh, to fall into um, the uh, skirts of uh, of repression and um, beginning with book banning, which Penn is so active in right now. Uh, that is how it started in Iran as well. First they, uh, first they burn books, then they kill people. That saying uh, is very true. And so I do believe that uh, uh, peace is directly related to equal rights for all. And a listener tweets this about your older book, Reading Lolita in Tehran, listener writes, Reading Lolita in Tehran is a wonderful book that gives a profound picture of the lives of women in Iran under the Islamic Republic, and they put republic in quotes. Um, Azar, do you have a thought about the question that I asked Summer earlier about whether this prize or the prize to Shirin Abadi, um, which was 20 years ago now, or the Nobel Peace Prize in general, uh, or prizes like Pan America gives out, do matter to human rights or peace in the world, or are they just fodder for media chatter and elite chatter, and they don't really change all that much? Oh, no, it, they are not just fodder for media challenge, although uh, the media does turn it for father, into fodder uh, at times. Uh, it is very, uh, very important to connect uh, to movements, groups, individuals who live in countries like Iran. It is very important to tell them uh, that uh, we're with you. We share the same principles. We share the same heart and mind. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I think that uh, in Iran, uh, we would have, uh, you know, you, you pine away uh, if you're not connected in some creative and uh, dynamic way to the world. And Iranian people, especially with their uh, recent uprising, uh, have invited the world into their hearts. And uh, the world is responding. I do believe that uh, uh, Nobel uh, Prize or prizes given out by organizations like Penn uh, play a very, very important role uh, in creating the spaces uh, in a country like Iran that has been taken away from people, bringing them back their confiscated spaces. Listener texts, I wish we had people in Congress with the courage of Nargis Mohammadi. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Fatima in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Hello, Fatima. Hello, good morning, Brian. Thank you so much for giving time for this uh, important news. Uh, so I'm Muslim, I wear the hijab. I have the freedom of wearing my hijab in, in, in Brooklyn, in New York, in America. And I really celebrate this, uh, uh, this uh, author. Uh, and this prize, and uh, I just want to, the same way that I do not want to see women oppressed in Iran and forced to wear the hijab, the same, the same way your uh, the um, your uh, guest this morning is saying, there are those who want to wear it and those who do not want to wear it, and that oppression can be everywhere, like uh, like in France where I do not have the freedom of wearing my hijab, and uh, so we need to be, come uh, on, uh, vigilant about freedom for women and, and rights of women. They can do whatever they want with their bodies. They can do contraception. They can. It's, it's, it's a larger, larger picture 
uh, and uh, conversation. But as you guest said, it starts with the woman. And the other thing that I want to say, just to mention to your guest, the first time I saw a person with a hijab in my high school, which was a French lycée, uh, that was just after Khomeini got the power in Iran. So, and, and then everybody starts wearing it around us, uh, even though we are a very secular country in North Africa. So, so I just celebrate this, this award. It's good for all women. And, uh, and, and I want to add one more thing. In the Holy Book of Quran, there is one chapter which is only for the women and not for the men, for the women. So the rights of the women uh, are within Islam, are within uh, everything else. But oppression is not in Islam. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank Fatima, you very much. Thank you very much. And Azar, I'll go back to you on that as she talks about societies where the hijab is mandatory, societies where the hijab is banned. Yeah, I um, agree with her that uh, we should give women uh, the right to choose how they want to appear in public, whether with hijab or without hijab. I also think that we we need um, dialogue and discourse over these issues. Uh, uh, Societies um, uh, like Iran or like United States even, they're too polarized to have genuine dialogue. Uh, now, you know, my grandmother uh, never took off her hijab. She wore her hijab uh, all her life. But she used to cry and say that uh, the way that this regime is treating women, forcing them, forcing my um, daughters and my um, granddaughters uh, to wear the hijab, uh, this is not real Islam. This is not my Islam. That's what she used to say. And uh, my mother, who also claimed to be Muslim, never wore the hijab. And yet these two women lived together and uh, loved one another and thrived in one another's uh, company. So what I'm trying to say is that the Islamic Republic has been um, cheating us by saying that uh, uh, it represents Islam. It doesn't represent any religion. It represents a totalitarian ideology. It is far closer to um, fascist Germany or Stalinist uh, uh, communism than it is to um, different um, progressive interpretations of Islam. Yes. Uh, so uh, we need to have a clean, unbiased uh, discussion around these issues and uh, uh, that is how uh, freedom can become accessible to us through through these kind of exchanges. And one last thing I wanted to say, um, some of the images coming from inside Iran, they show women in public places, and those women who are not wearing the hijab are offering flowers to the women who are wearing the hijab. And um, the women, some women wearing the hijab have been opposed uh, to the Islamic Republic. Mm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. things are much more complicated. Uh, than politics uh, makes us believe. Azar Nafisi, the author of Reading Lolita in Tehran, and her most recent book, Read, 
Dangerously, the subversive power of literature in troubled times, and Summer Lopez, who heads the Free Expression Program at PEN America. Nargis Mohammadi, uh, the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize today, was also the recipient of PEN America's Freedom to Write Award this year. Thank you both so much for coming on Thank on this you. occasion. Thank you, Brian. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.